Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. Glad that you're along with us this week on the podcast. I'm really excited because I get to talk to someone who spent many, many years in Chicago, Chicago land, as did I. We both are in different places now. But uh, this is someone that I've been looking forward to talking with for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is because her current book that's just releasing is, uh, I think, a really important topic. It's called Aging Faithfully, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But her name is Alice Freiling. She is a spiritual director and author. We have that in common, and she and her husband worked with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship for over 50 years. Her husband was uh, the head, the CEO of InterVarsity Press, and you've often heard me talk about their marvelous books, and they keep putting them out. This book, that Alice has um, just written is Nav Press, another marvelous publisher. But I just finished uh, listening to the audiobook of something else that Alice and I have in common, which is the Enneagram. She's written a book called Mirror for the Soul. And I just finished reading that. So before I keep talking on and on about Alice, let me just say welcome to Faith Conversations, Alice Freiling. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you here. And we were talking before I hit record, and we have so many people in common in our lives that it's kind of surprising. This is the first time we've had this kind of a conversation and uh, done a recording on the podcast or on the old radio show I used to do in Chicago. So it's finally nice to, to meet you face to face here. That's lovely. Thank you. Well, I am a huge fan of the Enneagram. So I, I did want to just say a quick word about your book, Mirror for the Soul, which I thought was tremendous. And actually, old friend, former producer, Lori Neff, recommended it to me, um, a, a, I don't know, two or three years ago. And I had it on my shelf, but I didn't pull it out to read. And all of a sudden, I saw it on the audiobook list from my library. And boom, I was out taking walks and, and listening to it. And wow, that is a powerful book, Alice. I love the marvelous questions and exercises that you have at the ends of chapters. I'm a big fan of that. And you really did that well in that Enneagram book. Thank you. I'm, I was excited about it. And as I think about what I, how I approached the Enneagram, I hadn't until you just said that, I thought it's much the same way I approach the aging experience. I just, what does this do? How does this help me in my spiritual journey? Don't give me a program. Yes, exactly. <laughs> give me some spiritual <laughs> truths. Isn't that the truth? Well, and that's actually a good segue into really the, the point of our conversation today. Um, this book came in the mail to me called Aging Faithfully. And I read the subtitle, The Holy Invitation of Growing Older. Loved that. But I'll tell you, uh, I have to tell you a little story about when my husband and I first moved to Sarasota which has now been just about five years, I arrived and we moved into a 55 plus community. 
and I was 56 at the time. And my 55 plus community (laughs) didn't have many 55 or 56 year olds. (laughs) There were a lot of, there were some 60s in their 60s, many in their 70s, 80s and 90s. And I thought, what have I, where have we come? Where are we? And then I started running into older people all over. And I've told this story on the podcast that I was going to pick something up at, at Lowe's, some kind of a, something we needed as we were, you know, fixing up the place when we first moved. And there was this young man that got out of a pickup truck, had to have been in his forties. And I literally ran up to him and told him how glad I was to see him. I said, you're the youngest person I've seen since I moved, which was only like two weeks. I know he thought I was crazy, but, and, but then, but then 56, I'm now 61. That's five years ago. I have had a hip replacement. Um, have, I have arthritis. I, these physical things have transpired. People on the podcast know I fell this past summer and had a traumatic brain injury, which I'm recovering so well from, but it's really interesting how we move from, oh no, that's not me. I'm in the wrong neighborhood. I can't, shouldn't be in 55 plus I'm not old to, wow, things are starting to happen in my life. And I'm thinking differently about aging faithfully. When this book came through my door, I wanted to just gobble it up. That's wonderful. (laughs) You're right in my, you're right in my market demographic. (laughs) I am, but haven't you met many people though, that, that are in that space that just don't want to address it? I think that was me. I don't want to address it. I don't want to look to my right, to where I'm headed. I, I want to stay in today. I'm not going to acknowledge that I'm moving toward latter years, but that's ridiculous. But talk, talk about that. It was um, talking about who I was writing for. When I first got this idea, I said to my daughter, who's in publishing, and I said, I can't believe I'm thinking about writing a book for Dying Market. It's not. (laughs) It's actually one of the fastest growing markets. You know, if you look at it as a demographics, I put it that way. Right. um, right. In our country. Yes. So there are a lot of people who are experiencing what we are experiencing. I'm 77, actually 77 and a half. And it gets really significant when you get in the second half of the decade. I mean, <laughs> it's all going into 80. Halves. Now. Yeah, there we so, go. Right. Um, There's so many people that are experiencing what we're experiencing. And I, what you were experiencing, um, I think is certainly what I bumped into a lot. I mean, the denial of it and also the sadness of it because our life is changing so yeah, that's I, true too. Yeah. When I turned, um, well, I've, I'll put it this way. When I was young, like you, <laughs> just, <laughs> just approaching 60 and in my early 60s, I was looking for a book about aging. I figured I wouldn't be getting older if this weren't part of God's plan for me. So I wanted to figure out what was, I think in my mind, I wanted to know what's going to be different about this and why would God allow me to experience these, this age, this season of life? And I found a lot of good books. A lot of them were about retirement and financial planning. And that wasn't what I was looking for. Some lovely memoirs. Um, But I wanted something a little more practical, uh, a little more specifically directed toward my spiritual journey. And I just, I 
they probably were out there, but at the time I couldn't find anything. And there was one morning I was sitting and musing about this. And I had this sense that I thought, this is the word of the Lord to me this morning. I had this sense that I already knew everything I needed to know. And I needed to bring it out outside from the darkness where I hadn't recognized it. And it was almost as, you know, I, I say it, it wasn't no, no voice, but I had this sense of, so write the book yourself. And so I got out a piece of paper and I started outlining it. And that's what then became Aging Faithfully. Oh, and truth be it. told, I'm, I mean, I, you get older every day, so I'm still experiencing losses. And sometimes since the book has been out, at least in the advanced reader copy, I've gotten it out and read it to myself. Oh, because every new experience of aging feels brand new. <laughs> And I have to go back and draw on the things that God has already taught me. You know, that's, that is all so very interesting to me. I, I think as my husband and I got planted in a church and have been so delighted to be part of Church of the Palms in Sarasota, and, and I've been, you know, co-leading some women's studies with um, my pastor friend there, Lori, and, uh, and I have met, um, women who are in their seventies, in their eighties, that are part of these studies who are vibrant, who are growing, who are learning. And also some who have been in the studies who have said, who am I now? Mm -hmm. What, what is my purpose now? Because I'm no longer in the life I used to have, um, which we often call the, the working years, or if we we're working at home with, with children, it's empty nest and beyond or whatever, but there have, there have been a lot of conversations about purpose and, and also self-discovery. Some of that self-discovery for me happened, um, in my forties as I went through a really difficult divorce and, and things kind of broke apart in a way I did not expect, mm-hmm. um, and so the gift, as difficult as that was, and it, the gift piece of it, or at least the invitation to me in it was, who, who are you? Who, you know, who do you see yourself to be? Um, yes, rooted in Christ and uh, follower of Christ, et cetera. But beyond that, what, what in the world am I going to do now? Who do I want to be? So some of those questions came to me a little bit earlier, I used to think, wow, really only in my forties or early fifties, but those questions come, can come at any age. And they are, um, I always want to say to, to women, don't, don't feel like you're whatever age you are. And you should know this by now. We can't think of it that way at all. Right. I, I talked with someone just yesterday, excuse me. Um, and he just had his 35th birthday and he said to me, is it normal for me to be relating to the things in your book personally? <laughs> and I, I mean, I love to hear it because it's not that you start at 25 preparing to be an older person, but the life experiences in our younger years, and especially, as you say, something that's what we would look back on. I mean, it was a time of suffering. It was traumatic for you. And those are like in vivid color. Right. 
But whatever our, I, I'm so convinced that whatever our experiences have been as in every decade of life, all of those feed in to who we are now, which is really quite exciting because, you know, I'm, I'm benefiting from things that I learned 20 years ago, but I didn't appreciate what I was learning. And maybe I didn't understand it or I didn't hear it. I wasn't listening. Well, and I think, right. And we're, I think we become aware of what we need to know at the right time. Sometimes it's just interesting how God opens those doors in the right moment or brings along the right person or the right piece of information. I'm thinking about um, a, a group of women that I'm walking through an Enneagram book with right now. And this is brand new to them. They're, they run, they're across the span of ages. And, um, and I think how wonderful to get to know ourselves more deeply at any age. And I think how wonderful, actually, I highly recommend Mirror for the Soul um, as a companion to aging faithfully, because I think that sometimes we, we need to know ourselves better um, uh, and be transformed by some of what we learn in that space, even as we're talking about and walking, as you said, every minute, every day we're getting older, um, walking into a new part of our journey, um, getting older. I, I think they're wonderful companions, actually. What do you think? Well, I love that. I love you making that connection because I've been thinking about that in my own life. A after I wrote the book, of course, I kept getting older and kept learning new things. <laughs> right. I, I, the Enneagram wasn't new to me at the time, but I've just been thinking what a gift learning the Enneagram is to me in these years, partly because, well, first of all, it learning the Enneagram encouraged me to be more self-aware. I mean, that just if you really get the Enneagram, then you're just going to be more self-aware. But it also um, invited me and encouraged me to be honest about myself. And so I'm a number four. So I notice what's missing in life. And I'm pretty melancholic. And I can get stuck there. And so now, I mean, there are a lot of things missing in my life right now. But I've already gone through a little bit of that and learning that I'm a number four. I mean, different spaces on the Enneagram. That would be an interesting book to write, how different spaces age. But oh, yes. for me, you know, if I get too discouraged, I, I stop and I think, you know, what am I focusing on that I've learned from being a number four that's really a lie? I mean, that's what the Enneagram is about. Satan is a father of lies, and when he lies, he speaks his native language. So the Enneagram is really our native language of lies. So I look at my life and I say, well, one of the lies I've believed is that um, I should do everything I expect to do in any day. And I get to the end of the day, which might be two o'clock in the afternoon, and I've also struggled a lot with depression, and I can just feel depression knocking at the door because I haven't finished my list. And I, the lie, the spiritual lie is that my list for myself is God's list for me. Ooh. So the invitation is to say, wait a minute, listen to what God is saying, or, or listen to the, choose life, choose, yes. choose the life this afternoon that God is giving you and not what you think you should be doing or having. 
you have a, a whole section, I think it's in the first chapter called a different kind of retirement, where you talk about green and full of sap, which I love you bring the scripture in from Psalms and actually the passage from Deuteronomy, which, which you just quoted the choose life phrase from. Um, but it was a great reminder, you say, God invites us to flourish in our senior years. Um, knowing that we are are still producing sap and that this sap will still produce fruit in our lives for the sake of others. And, and you go on to say some other things too about, you know, to keep the sap running, we will be invited to choose life. And that's, I, I love that language there. It, um, all throughout that paragraph in that section, you use the word invites. We are invited to move into that space to flourish to, and not just in the past, we're not looking backward. When we talk about flourishing, you're looking forward and you're saying God invites us to flourish in our senior years. What do you say to the person who just, they're just, they just don't know where to begin. They feel kind of lost as they enter these years. Well, another thing that I, another phrase I use that I think speaks to this, um, that one of the invitations is to focus on fruitfulness rather than productivity. Nice. And which which I'm in, I'm an Enneagram three. So I really like that because <laughs> the productivity trap is exhausting and I'm kind of yeah. done with that. Well, it, you know, it certainly is in our culture and it yeah. has been in my life. Um, so if we change our focus from productivity, which would be the tasks that we get done and, you know, what we did, they're really good things. Yeah. The motivation we brought may have been a little egotistical, but we got good things accomplished. And in this season of life, if, if focusing on the fruit of the spirit really focuses more on how God's love is manifested in us. So the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness. I mean, it's from Galatians 5. And I tend to focus on love. That seems to cover all of the, all of the other ones yes. one way or another. And I came across a verse several years ago that I thought sounded like heresy. It just happened to be in the Bible. So I, didn't, <laughs> I thought this can't be heresy. But it said, um, Paul said in Colossians, we make up for what is missing in the death of Christ. And I thought, ooh. <laughs> and, but then Jesus said something sort of similar when he said, you will do greater things than I do. And I know I read that in college and I just thought, well, he doesn't know me. Um, <laughs> but that verse has kind of come alive for me as I've gotten older. And I realized that my loving other people, and for me, a lot of it is focused on our family now. We have a um, chronically ill granddaughter mm -hmm. and another granddaughter who's just just turned 13. So she's wow. not chronically ill, but she's going through a lot. <laughs> yeah, going through a lot, and a lot of hormones. <laughs> so I, for me to love our grandchildren, and then we have two grandsons in Wisconsin. And when I love them, I do think I'm making up what is missing in Christ's life, because Jesus can't sit there and listen to my granddaughter talk about her day at school. Mm. But I can. And sometimes loving and even doing dishes. I mean, sometimes it feels like prayer to me to do dishes. 
So to me, that's very transformational. It's very mysterious. There is this sense of where did this come from? It's fruit that is born in our lives. But if we're assuming that our lives are only validated by what we get done, then we, we miss it. We, we don't celebrate it. Um, and it's really quite exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's why the spiritual practice of the examine is so yes, wonderful yes. and can be so helpful at day's end. Yes. Um, so, and the examine, of course, invites us to look back over the day. Um, and the questions that, I mean, I simplify it way, way, way simplify it from its classical expression. I do too. When, what did, I want to hear how you simplify it. I, when did you feel closest to God? And when did you feel most distant from God? And then, you know, when were you most loving? When were you least loving? And and there have been times in my life where I regularly do this every night. And then there's some, I got a little bored because it was the same thing every time. Yeah. And so then I thought, well, maybe I just need to listen to what I've already heard. But I think the Enneagram, I mean, not the Enneagram, the examine invites us to pay attention, particularly to our feelings, which is not culturally encouraged in, right. you know, in a lot of venues. Um, so when I pay attention to my feeling of dis-ease with God or with other people or my feelings of being close and loving, then I say that's where the invitation of God is to me. And it might be different from somebody else. I am a number four, so it's in my job description that I, I compare myself with other people. <laughs> and I say, I, I'm coming to say, I can celebrate that someone else doesn't come to the same conclusion. Mm-hmm. But I need that. This is where I need to be in my own life. That's that's helpful. I think um, one of the things that you talk about in aging, um, or say about aging, is that it is a vulnerable time. And I so I thought that was an interesting phrase. Um, and I would love for you to say more about that. I'm think I in my mind I'm thinking of a of a variety of ways that we are vulnerable, but, but talk about what you're meaning um, about that aging is this can be this vulnerable time. Well, actually that's another thing I've been thinking about more since I wrote the book that um, being vulnerable is probably considered something negative in our society. Um, It's certainly, I don't think someone would choose to be vulnerable but I, another meaning of being vulnerable is um, being authentic and letting people see your, what we would, I, I don't even want to say weakness. I want to say limitations. Oh, oh I like that. Limitation. I was just I thinking pull, letting ahead. people in, just letting yes, people in. Yes. But I like that, letting them see your limitations. Yes, because I, I mean, that's, that's one of my issues. I, I have been proud of not having to live with as many limits as other people. Well, that's gone, <laughs> gone by the wayside. So I think the thought of being vulnerable, we're fighting against a cultural uh, prejudice against vulnerability, even though a newborn baby is vulnerable. And that's a wonderful thing. That's what we love about them. But an older person is, who is vulnerable, we, we aren't drawn to that. Um, but if, I think if we look at it as relationally, it gives us a, a thinner membrane between people that we are, we're, 
we're just more ourselves. And so then when we're more ourselves, we're more able to receive love. I mean, so if I get to the end of my, if I get to, yeah, to the end of, end of my energy before the end of my day, and I have to start not doing things, I don't want anybody else to know that. But most of the time, it's a little more public than I want. That's so interesting. Isn't that true? We will always, we do want to be seen in the best light. What well, we it's think like, is the best light. What we think is. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I know you're not on Facebook, but this is the, the, the trap right. of so, social media. Um, we compare our insides to other people's outsides, right? Right. Yes. yes. And, and uh, we don't want to see, we only put the happy pictures, the beautiful cleaned up yeah. living room pictures on. You know? Right. Yes. Yeah. I, that's so interesting. Uh, something that, so this whole vulnerability thing, um, I think something that you said sparked this thought in me uh, in the front of your book, like, like with any author, there's a, a dedication and your husband's name is Bob. So it's to Bob grow old along with me. I loved that, but I also noticed that there's artwork on that page and, and actually this artwork, I think it shows up other places. Yeah. The, the artwork of a, of a tree, a sketch of a tree with roots beneath the ground. And on this particular page, there's, there's like a sapling that grows into, I don't know all the proper words, but eventually it grows into a a good size, old, sturdy tree that's probably been climbed a lot there. <laughs> um, so, so I love this. And what it made me think of, and I've been thinking of this in the context of the, the women that are in groups that I'm a part of, who both who still have their spouse, who's growing old along with them, and those who don't. Also, and I want to say just because there's a spouse who's growing old along with you doesn't mean you're on the same page. And so what it made me think of was, um, initially I was thinking of those women who are widowed that, that need for, for others whose roots were also going down deep companionship, other friends who are on the same kind of growth path, same, same kind of journey that who are desiring to grow. And because I, I think we, we don't want to travel these days, these um, later years alone. Sometimes we have the benefit of having a spouse with us to the end. Many times we do not. And, and I think that's another thing. I, I just, it really got me thinking about the need for companionship on the journey as I was reading your book. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. I mean, clearly we do, we, we need companionships on every part of our journey, but um, I think in this season of aging, for some reason we've marginalized this season in our society. Um, oh, especially so, Western society. Especially right? what? Especially Western society. Yes, yes. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, more so for us. And so it could be that it's harder to find spiritual companions of our own age, because maybe there are fewer people who are taking this route. Um, so, but we do need companionship. And I think our, for myself, companionship can come through people who are my age, 
and also through younger people um, who have a yes. tender heart, yes. who are vulnerable themselves. Yes. Um, and that's Thank one, you. Of, I mean, one of the things that was important to me in the book was to include some just suggested questions of what we can ask people who are older. So I have a section of people who are in their 60s, people 70s and 80s. Um, and sometimes people don't know how to ask questions, but that's one of the best ways we can be a companionship. I mean, people who people have said to me, well, you don't look like you're 77, just count your blessings. And you know, even my dear husband who knows me very well. And last night we had an event that, you know, was going to keep us up pretty late, like after eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, I hope I can make this tonight. And he said, oh, you'll do fine. And you know what? I, I do really appreciate his optimism. I need his optimism in my life. But How right about some now, empathy? I wanted, I, what? How about some empathy? <laughs> yeah, right. I wanted him to say, oh, yeah, this is going to be a stretch for you, but we'll be there together. Oh, you yes. know, there you go. Yes. So we live in a society that um, cooks hot dogs and we long for more nutritional conversation and relationship. Um, yes. So, yes. I, I hope that I can be a person who asks questions of those I love, and I hope I have those who love me who can ask me questions. Well, what kind, what kind of questions? Well, I think that's so interesting, and I love that you have this in, in your appendix, too. I think that's so interesting. Um, you know, what, are, what kinds of, like asking literal questions or questions of our lives, of someone's life and experience? Well, it depends on the person. I mean, I probably yeah. ask... I probably go deep too fast. So I have to be careful to talk about the weather and to chat a little bit. But um, the, I think the, the theme of the questions that can be so healing is asking, you know, what is your experience in this? Allowing those we love and here the older people to be authorities on their own pain and their own loss and when we listen to them that way, we're loving them and love heals. Mm. So ah. I, I, I mean, sometimes the people we love and the older people want, you know, need, need some help getting to the doctor or just, you know, practical stuff, need some fixing. But most of the time, I know I just want people to explore with me what I'm experiencing. And I'm willing to explore with them what they're experiencing, but give me a turn too. <laughs> you know, that's reminding me, my, my husband goes up to our community pool, um, at usually at least once a day for um, socialization as well as some exercise, but there's always a group that's gathered there. And he, he told me this story. I wish I could remember the question. Certainly there were those few phrases of small talk that happened first and something was said, and he said to this woman, um, something about, well, you know, there's, there's an invitation that really is issued in that, whatever it was, you know, wording that she was not used to hearing and mm -hmm. she, it stopped her in her tracks. And she just said, Oh, that's beautiful. I, I need to think about that. That was something so simple, but I thought this is what those of us who, 
follow Jesus can do if we are thoughtful and can be in the moment, a simple statement or comment that is surprising to someone in using different words than they're used to hearing, uh, a statement that doesn't continue a negative trajectory that might have been happening sometimes in the pool, groaning about aches and pains or something else, whatever it is, something negative. And it, it totally changed this woman's frame of reference in that, in that moment. And, and I think if we're really listening to the spirit, that, that can happen more than we realize. It, for some reason, that is probably an intuitive leap, but I think of what Jesus said when he, at the end of his life, and he said to his disciples, I have so much more I want to say to you, but it's more than you can bear now. And I think that is one of the ways we ask good questions. I mean, your husband apparently somehow or other picked up from this woman that this would be a helpful way to respond. But if it was too much for her to bear or if it wasn't where she was, then he might have approached it a little bit differently. Yes. Um, so it, it's an art form, but I think it's an art form that most human beings can, can learn. Yes. And I think that we have not been taught well to be curious or to be good question askers or to be good listeners even to pay attention. And, and, and that this is, so you talk about this, this is something we can cultivate in our later years if we have not cultivated it earlier. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that um, I think helps us cultivate it and one of the opportunities that we have is just being quiet in God's presence. I was thinking yesterday morning, I mean, I'm an introvert and so I like being by myself and especially like being by myself if I know I'm in God's presence, which I you know, always am. Um, but yesterday morning, I was in a little bit of a hurry to finish up being quiet. And I looked at the clock and I said, okay, I have 10 more minutes. <laughs> and then I thought, wait a minute, what am I doing anything today that's more important than this? And there wasn't. And so in, in that observation, I think God invited me to just sit here as long as you need it. We'll work out the day as we get going. Um, and the more we can do that in our own relationship with God, the more we can do that with other people. Um, yes. I mean, all somebody has to do is say something or look away to make me feel rushed. And I just shut down. I think you don't have time to hear the depth of what I want to say. <laughs> the quality depth of what right. I'm going to unleash on you. Yes. yes. <laughs> Great. Yes. That's so interesting. Um, I, I mean, I know it's hard to ask an author this, but did you have a, a favorite chapter that you worked on in this book? Um, I, I was, I personally was drawn just to the title and to the chapter, Holy Losses, Holy Invitations. And I'm not surprised. I, I was drawn to that, but you have letting go fear and peace. You know, I didn't know if there was one chapter over others that you really felt strongly about or enjoyed working on. I'm curious. Well, you know how I'd like to answer that question. Yeah. I'd like to answer it currently my favorite thing about oh, good. This. There you go. That, that's what that works. <laughs> and this did, I mean, this is, this was in the book, but 
one of the things that's happened to me as I've gotten older is that my way of reading scripture is different. I used to do, you know, the chapters and the books and the commentaries and all of that. And then I got down to thinking, well, maybe just one paragraph at a time. And now I am literally one or two verses at a time. And a lot of those verses are ones that I studied years ago. So the word of God has stayed alive in my life. But I have more often than not, I have a verse du jour that is feeding me. Sometimes I don't know how to say that a verse of the week, but sometimes it's not just one a day. This yeah. lasts the whole week. So this is my, my current verse for this nice. week. And I think it speaks to what you're talking about. It's uh, the parable of Jesus. I have several parables, but this one isn't in the book. Jesus said, God's kingdom is like seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts and grows, and he has no idea how it happens. So I, this, that, and that's from the message, which nice. is a translation that I love. Um, I think this parable, parable applies to many seasons of life. I mean, there were times when I needed to, you know, plant the seed and go to bed, but I was, my mindset was I was responsible for making that seed grow either in my own life or in my ministry. And so I was always digging up the seed, watering the seed, doing my seed thing. But for older people, it's like now we take the gifts and the energy and the motivation, the desires we have, and it's like we throw these as seeds on the field and then we go to bed and we forget about them. <laughs> I just think that's such a, I mean, that like, how invitational is this? So many older people do have problems with insomnia. And so we go to bed. And a lot of us have problems remembering all of the things that we used to access so easily. And so we go to bed and we forget about the seeds. And then all of a sudden, we say, wow, where did that blossom come from? Why did that plant flourish in my life now? And it's a gift of God. So if I were going to say one thing about my book now, it would be, you know, that probably that par parable. I love that. Actually, we, I lead a Lexio Divina group every Wednesday morning on Zoom. And um, we were in the parables, not that exact one, but also about the seed and how the seed falls. So I thought, I wasn't, I thought you were going to the same one. And I thought that would be so interesting. I love that. I love that response as well. Um, I also love... I guess the fact that it took me to Lexio made me think about the fact that you talk about Lexio and, and, you know, just chewing on those small passages, like a verse. Uh, and I loved that as well. And I think as I, as, so as I was, you know, reading through aging faithfully, one of my thoughts also, Alice was, you know, I want the generation, the, the generation that's growing older, which obviously is a growing generation, but I want them there as these, um, as this group full of wisdom to, to, to feed into lives of younger people coming up. I mean, I love that you wrote it even for that, that thought and idea that's often in my mind. Um, I'm, I have been a seed scatterer, I would say, um, often in the form of books this morning at the Lexio group. You're going to love this, Alice. I held up aging faithfully and I said, here's a book everyone needs to get, Oh, that's <laughs> and, <good. laughs> you know, and, uh, 
just, um, I, I think books are, are, I love sharing resources, encouraging others, you know, and I just, I just want, um, you know, I want this generation that's getting older of that I'm a part of to keep growing and serving in the way they can serve, but to recognize that that can look very differently, not to feel it as a, as a weight or a, or a burden that we're not called to do more than what we can do at the age where we are. Can I say one more thing about that? Please do. I'm kind of, I'm sort of, I didn't use, I didn't form it like a question, but that's really what I mean is a a question Uh, to you. Yeah. I, I don't think I realized this as I was writing the book, but again, upon reflection, I think what I'm describing is a transformational life rather than a transactional life. Yes. And I think this is, this is something that, I mean, again, any age group, but particularly those of us who are older, I think we have this gift to invite people to a transformational life Yes, where in our own lives and commonly, I think in our culture, we live in a trans- transactional life. If yes. I do this well, if I do this right, if I pray right, if I use the right words, then God will love me, other people will love me, and I will be successful. And the older you get, the less that works. I mean, yes. on, on many levels, it just doesn't work. Yes. So we do have a choice. Am I going to hang on to my transactional perspective and end up in disappointment? Or am I going to move into this transformational this is about God in my life, God at work in my life. And it always has been, but it's really in our face right now. Yes. So I think that's a, that's a general way of describing something that we can offer the younger generation, younger people, that God is walking beside us and transforming us and loves us even when we mess up. Yes. I love that offering a transformational kind of life as opposed to transactional. And I, uh, yes, I think that's just near and dear to my heart. I don't think I, I maybe hadn't thought about wording it quite that way. Um, I, I just can't say enough about aging faithfully. There, there's so much here and, it, and also so much that's encouraging that is in, you know, between these so. covers I mean, too. I'm encouraged. I'm surprised by this <laughs> season of life. Who knew? <laughs> yes. And I think we can be surprised in this season. Yes, there are losses. There are also invitations. And I love that you have both of those in the book. So good. Thank so you. Good. Thank you Thank for you. understanding it. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Great to finally meet face to face here in the, in the audio realm. And thank you for your wisdom and for sharing it with us today. Thanks, Alice. Thanks, Anita. And to everyone else, as always, I say, keep the conversation going. <laughs>